0: good morning everyone so uh, all right here we go let's get started Uh, you know how I do it if you haven't been if you haven't listened to analytical concepts before um, pretty much it's I pay the bills before we even get started so If you haven't heard of Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast, let me explain, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free app or go to anchor.fm to get started. So anyway, excuse me. (sighs) So um I was scrolling through social media, you know, you know how you do. You get up in the morning and you scroll through and you start to uh you see something that catches your eye. So someone that I follow posted this in their story and it says protest shut down Akron after unarmed man is shot 60 times. So you know i'm like damn you know i heard about this but i was like you know let me read what this person posted and the facts are his name is Jalen walker eight akron officers police officers that is fired 90 bullets at him hitting him 60 times throughout his entire body the cops pulled him over for a traffic violation he was only 25 years old uh he was a door dash door dash driver he was unarmed and he was murdered so the question that I have is if in every town or every city, there is a, uh, there's a mayor, right? And if I'm correct, the mayor is in control of the police departments, right? Right. So if we're not, if they're not going to be held accountable, expect people to come out and protest. But this is a problem that is, uh, It's it's nationwide. And it's nationwide, but it's always in our communities. It's always within within the urban areas. And once again, (coughs) excuse me. Once again. It's a situation that. Well, let's see. Oh, yeah, pretty much it won't be a problem until it hits the it hits the doorsteps of suburbia. Now because it hits the doorsteps of suburbia, once it does, then it'll be a it'll be a problem. It'll be a a pandemic of violence, right? Or an epidemic. And because we you know we've dealt with this for so long that At a certain point, it's almost like you expect some shit to happen, and when that does happen, you feel like, well, there's going to be no justice served because we all, you know, we both know, we both know how this goes. There'll be a trial. Trial will the trial will conclude, in. well, let's say, hmm a matter of days, right? And within that time, within that time, <laughs> time they'll be found innocent. And we the people, some of us will sit back and just simply say, well, geez, we knew this was going to happen. So, because we knew it was going to happen, we, you know, we sat back and we just kind of just, we, we just waited for the verdict. Now, okay, so Derek Chauvin, yeah, he, he's convicted, yeah. Uh, the lady in Indi- the, the female cop in Indiana, I believe, um, one that mistaken her gun for a taser, yeah. Um, the lady that kicked down, the, uh, the officer that kicked down uh, the young man's door to his apartment, thinking it was her apartment, that's hilarious. You know, what got me about that was the family was over there giving her a hug and the judge is telling her all these wonderful things about herself. And, you know, we can make it into a black and white issue. Which it really does come down to that, you know, it comes down to that whole issue of where do we stand? We ask this question quite a bit because in the grand scheme of things, we don't matter. We're only seen as laborers. We're not free. We're licensed. And we're reminded of this every day. And, you know, and, and to talk about the, the whole situation, because I'm not going to stay just on police brutality. We know we know the deal with it. But the other thing that came across earlier this week was uh, something that kind of said, damn, you know, wow, we're, we're, we're really doing this. So Rhode Island state Senator Tierra Mack, she made a video encouraging people to vote for her. You know, she also sponsored the bill for teaching kids queer inclusive, uh, pleasure-based sex ed. But let's talk about the video. The video is her at the beach twerking. Now what I'm going to say is going to ruffle some feathers, but as I told you before, my mic if you're offended, well, I don't know what to tell you because as I've been told, get over it. So, I don't have a problem with anyone who's in the LGBT community. I don't have no beef but the beef I have is, as far as education goes, why push, why push this onto the kids? Let these children make a decision for themselves. They're kids. They have yet to... They, they don't understand the full scope of what's going on. But we continue to push it. I can't say we back up. People within that community want certain things pushed off onto the children. To me, I... I I, I, I can't go with that because to me that that the way I look at it is it's uh it's a form of child abuse. You don't do that to a child. But if you want votes, you ain't got to twerk. Stand by your stand by your platform. Stand by your uh your political you know your political agenda. If your agenda is for the people, people will vote for you. You don't have to twerk. You don't have to show your ass and tits. Because I know a few, I know a few women, who you know who are in office throughout the country didn't have to, didn't even have to milk the game, by showing their tits. They grabbed it by the balls. And to my sisters who are out there running for mayor, or already in the Senate. State Senate, that is, yo, you you're, you know, the thing is you're held to a higher standing because you're a black woman. Being within the LGBT community doesn't mean shit because at the end of the day, you're still you're still a woman of color. So you get shitted on a hundred times harder than your white counterparts. If you want to argue with me, well, shit, history shows that we have to be bigger, better, smarter, wiser more intelligent than our white counterparts and yet and still <clears throat> we as a people do some really really stupid things that make people say look at that see you see what I'm saying we voted for this person to get in and looking for change but they're stuck on whatever pertains to their lifestyle I ask, what's gonna what about the people What about the people that vote for you that need things within their communities? And I'm going to say this. Stop referring to everything as the hood. That shit is annoying. We have we have people who live within a neighborhood that creates a community. If we take over our communities and run them the way they're supposed to be run, we control who gets in to office and who doesn't. Your local vote, voting locally, is the most important thing. Not just, you know, voting for the president and vice president, that's great. But it starts right in your state. Um, There's so much that goes into this and there's layers to this. Because, yep, you may be a person of color and, you know, you're trying to cross over into a world... that really truthfully doesn't want to see you there. Everybody still jumps on Obama's back. Yeah, that you know, first black man in office. Yep, okay. I'm going to leave it at that cuz I know a lot of people still love him. Then <laughs> Then, you know, you have Harris as the VP. Man, she's been quiet. Really, ain't saying too much. Not surprised. But you look at her track record. You know, a lot of her, a lot of the people she threw in jail, while she was the DA in California, they had to be overturned. They had to be released from prison based off of, well, pfft, the fact that you had to, you had to uh, fuck around with the evidence. To make your case stick. That's not good. But I will say this. I know why. The quote good cops. Don't say anything. To the bad seeds. Because history shows. That if you stand up. For the rights of the peoples, what you're supposed to do. Because the saying goes protect and serve. Now it's serve and uphold. And those who are still under the. The old the old platform, the old you know, the old rule of protect and serve, they're getting pushed out, or if they're not going to be pushed out, well, they're they're actually being pushed off the streets where they make a difference and they're being put behind the desk. And because they're being put behind the desk, that means their effectiveness within the within the community that they did patrol is no longer there. And part of good policing, in my opinion, is instead of rolling through the rolling through the neighborhoods, mean mugging and staring everybody down and the jump out boys acting like a bunch of fucking rogue combatants. Oh, I'm sorry. Wasn't supposed to swear because I want to send this to some people. Um, Community relations is a huge part of what goes into being a police officer. And I asked my brother about that, you know, about being able to go into a community and talk to people. And I remember he said, they call me cool breeze because I'm, I'm cool. I'm respect. I'm respectful of everybody, but I still have a job to do. And I understood that, you know, but he said getting to know the people within those communities is it's essential because this way, if something does go down, they feel safe in telling you who said what and who did what because now that means you can offer them a safe haven protection and when you do that people will start to say yeah Joe Blow over there did that or Little Pistol Starter He's the one that was shooting in the crowd. And here in this state, people are really, really reluctant to speak now because of what happened. I want to say maybe 21 years ago or 20 years ago. I'm not sure. I can't remember the exact year. But there was a young lady who witnessed something and her name was Jennifer Rivera long story short the protection wasn't all that great she ended up getting murdered by the person that she witnessed commit a crime so that just sent a ripple effect throughout the city feeling and the, the feeling of the people was we're not safe so if you're not safe how can you like how can you even remotely speak to anyone without feeling like the, like they're having that fear of retaliation. Nobody wants to be caught in the crosshairs of someone's gun or caught in the crosshairs of the retaliation, the retaliatory response that one one actually receives when they report on something in the neighborhood or the community, whatever the case may be. If the police, like I said, and this will once you come into the neighborhood without any like without any uh, ulterior motive, and your actual, your actual uh, being in the neighborhood is to talk to the people. If you see people outside, just say, "Hey, look, nobody's in trouble. We're just introducing ourselves. I'm officer such as such. You know, I come through here periodically. You know, not sporadically, periodically." And, um, <clears throat> you know, I just want to say, hey, you know, if there's a problem, here's my card, yada, yada, yada. And when you do that, like I said, it opens up a world of comfortability. It might be met with apprehension at first because people have a fear of the police. If not a fear of it, a strong hatred for it because of the fact that years prior when, you know, to me, it's, it's like this. I get it if you, you know you look at drug dealers as being bad folks. I get it. You're peddling poison in the in the community. I hear you. I'm, you know, and I understand some people's circumstances back then were were totally different. But the one thing that stands out with them is how they were dragged out down behind the fire department, the fire station and beaten up or taken for a ride and beaten up. Or Whatever drug they had, especially weed or cocaine, was confiscated. Half the money was taken, taxation without representation. And they know that they technically can't say anything. Well, some it's changed in the past because you had <laughs> you know, you've had, you know, the city has had police officers caught up in some really funky stuff. But the point of it is, is is that beating people up is not the key. It's not the answer. You know, we still talk about Esteban Caprio and how swollen his face was from the beating he he took. Yes, he killed the he killed a police officer within the precinct. I yep, I a hey, I'm not saying I'm not gonna say anything else. I get it. Anger. Rage. Your friend, your co-worker, even if you didn't get along with them, it's still a person, right? But beating another man to have his face look like that. It should make you question, are you safe? Ask yourself this question. Are you really safe within your community? Because, well, shit, I mean, ta- we still talk about Tamar Rice. We do. We still talk about Cedric Bland. We still talk about Philando Castile. How about, you know, we go back and look at the Michael Brown situation. It shows in the autopsy that he wasn't just shot while walking. He was shot after he was down because the downward trajectory of the bullet shows exactly where it went. Um, I know there's more, you know, those are the more the names, but, you know, Jalen, uh, Jalen is now another, you know, <clears throat> Jalen Walker is now another, uh, hashtag, not even a statistic, another hashtag. <clears throat> and I figured we were way beyond the hashtag, uh, situation, but it, it continued, it's still growing, but uh, I have to cut in. Cause I actually went past, uh, the actual time. So I went past the break. But here we go. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Excuse me. Like I said before, people would feel safe if if they knew that they could report a crime and I feel like retaliation was coming but I did leave off on the hashtags. you think you know you look back since the Sandra bland situation and that's the other thing I want to bring up. stop taking these payouts from the city. demand justice yep I understand yay yeah, they're gonna if they're gonna throw you five million dollars well five million is nice but it doesn't bring back your loved one no because if you see if you take that money you're basically saying hey my son the daughter's killer or my nephew's niece, grandson, granddaughter mom, dad, aunt uncle we can go on down the list or best friend it doesn't bring them back. The best thing you can do is is seek justice. Because they'll seek justice against us if we do something that's wrong. But when it comes down to one of the boys in blue, which I forgot blue lives matter, and that's something I'll touch in a minute. We're we're guilty until proven innocent, they're innocent until proven guilty and it's not just a race thing, it's an actual thing of oh where did I leave off I had to pause for a minute, but um, yes, we're, you know, we are proven, we're, well, we're guilty until proven innocent those who commit a crime that wear a badge are innocent until proven guilty and we've seen it you know, you can go back as far as the OJ trial. Um, you go back to Latasha Hollins. That's how the L.A. riots actually started. Not so much because of the Rodney King verdict, but the city was already on. the L.A. was already on the verge of some serious shit. And we saw how we saw how it went down, um, you know, in a small town, like a small city like Providence, Rhode Island. You're not I don't think you're going to see something like that. I don't think you're going to see people burning down the city to. uh to seek justice which is why when the o j trial came about th- th- i think that's why the verdict was what it was because they did not want to see they they saw more black folks at a court at a courthouse than they ever saw in their lives <laughs> and, that's, and that's just the truth you know people people didn't care about him riding down the street in the bronco and al Collins driving They just wanted to make sure that, hey, you know what? Expose the LAPD for what they are. And that meant police departments all across the country for corruption. And if I'm wrong, well, then correct me. But this is exactly why when I say these things, I leave it open for people that want to come on and talk about it. Not necessarily debate, but if you're going to, you know, enlighten and educate, that's what it really comes down to. And I can, you know, I'm not right about everything and refuse to sit there and think I'm right. But it is what it is. So when you when you have these type of situations that arise and we see it in the news and then we're outraged. Because <clears throat> that fear leads to anger, that anger, the anger leads to hatred. And when the hate kicks in, there's no telling what's going to happen. And as I stated earlier, there's no, there's no trust that's, insta- that's established within the community that says, I can trust Officer Jones. I can trust Officer whomever. When you don't have that trust, you're asked out. So you'll always be looked at as the villain. Now, as I was saying before, and I said I'll get into it now, you know, we had, you know, Black Lives Matter, we all know the backdrop of that and then what it actually turned into when it was in Missouri. Because after the Mike Brown incident, we heard about Black Lives Matter and we saw those young men out there doing their thing, but they all died of myster- mysterious causes. Anyway, so we saw Black Lives Matter. Then we saw. Blue lives matter and then we saw all lives matter and the person behind those behind those organizations is a guy by the name of George saros <clears throat> and his his whole thing is to is to come into a country destabilize the country screw up everything politically and create chaos because we know what happens when you you know you destabilize something it's It becomes more of a free enterprise. That's for another podcast and another day. But, you know, with everything that's been going on, people are saying, you know, do away with the police. Destabilize them. Do all this crap, right? But the thing is, officers, a lot of officers are not trained to deal with mental health issues. So we've seen people with mental health Get shot and killed in the doorway of a house. As this, as the children are telling the officer she has mental health issues and you still shoot her, you kill her. Mm. How about the, the guy in Florida who was working with the autistic child and they shot the guy who, who actually got the kid under control? You see what I'm saying? They're not equipped to deal with the special needs. Or people with mental health. So the funding to the police. It should be cut in half. And given to. People who work in the field of mental health. Because that's where a lot of this shit stems from. If you can. If you actually take the time out. To know who's who in the community. You will know how to deal with them. So if you know. Little Jojo. Is autistic. Is autistic. And you get to know him. And if there's trouble. You know how to deal with the situation. If you know Mr. Gallagher has Alzheimer's. And he starts to sun down. Let's say he gets out the house and he's, he's a little, you know, a little squirrely. At least, you know, OK, I know I know where he comes from. And so he must have, you know, they must have been busy and wasn't able to keep an eye on him and he's out the door. But you know how to deal with it because if you have to call for backup, at least you can say, "Hey, I know his situation. I know his situation. I know the back. I know the background of this guy. Let me co- I, let me contact the family and let them make the decision whether they want him to come back home." Or take him to the hospital to see what's really going on for further evaluation so on and so forth and we it, it happens just in the suburbs but it doesn't happen here in the inner the city so I should go live with this I think I will I think I will jump on Facebook live and go and go with this. This is something I don't normally do because we got about a half an hour to go um. So let me jump on Facebook Live. Oh, back right out of it. Um, Let's go to Facebook Live. How do, I forgot how you do this crap. But anyway, um, here we go Facebook Live. Um, I want to actually do some, do my own stuff. Um, hmm. Damn. How do you do this? It's crazy how, you know, you, <laughs> you, you want to go live and you want to do something, but, um, kind of technology sometimes gets a little beyond me. And I know I should be able to do this. I definitely should be able to. Oh man. Damn reels no I don't want a story but the point of it is though is we need we need more resources that allow us to um that that get you know that that reach out to the community and that's where it has that's where it really needs to start is that you have, if you have the ability to reach out to the community, then you should definitely be able to have mental health workers who can actually come on the scene and assess the situation and let people know, yep, we have it under control. It will, it will really, 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 really take, a, it, will, it will actually de-escalate a lot of situations. And when the situation is de-escalated, you'll start to see people have a little more faith in the police department. Honestly, you'll start to see people. Pardon me for that. I'm over here still trying to play around with this damn thing. You'll start to see more people come around to trusting the police. Feeling like the police can, you know, like you can trust like you actually can trust them. And that's exactly why we have the issues that we have, is that nobody wants to trust anybody. Oh, boy, here we go. So, because we don't have that trust amongst the... uh, Amongst everybody that's in law enforcement, we kind of tend to, like I said, we we get away from those things. We don't necessarily. We don't want to trust the police. That's just it in a nutshell, because they've shown us that if we put trust into them, eventually we get kicked in the backside for it. Now, me, I may be foolish to think this. But. I think there's still some kind of hope that things will change. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. But if they do change, which will be great, which will be great, um, things could improve. But as I said before, defunding the police is uh I think it's a silly thing. I think it's very silly. And some and I I say it because once again, I, I know I'm I know I'm repeating myself, but I need it to be heard. Defunding the police is not going to help us in in any way, shape or form. But also what will help out tremendously is having officers who know the area. And that's, I think that's the key thing to, that's the key part of it right there is having people having officers that we look at and say, yeah, he's a black or he, or he, he's a, he's a melanated or she's a melanated individual who happens to work for the police department and someone that I can actually talk to and feel comfortable with. Because when it comes down to, it's a cultural thing too. And one of the things that I recall, like this past school year, you know, we had a, you know, we had a police officer come up and I think he said he was on, he's been on for nine years, nine, ten years. And we were talking about the whole thing about uh, disciplining children, et cetera, et cetera, right, and um, pretty much, you know, he was saying that, you know, what it comes down to is, yes, community relations and having people trust us, if you have that trust, everybody's comfortable, But now it's time to talk about how did the police actually work on improving their image and their reputations? Because if you're going to if you know, you're going to ride around in a car that's tinted out. Staring people down. And thinking that someone has drugs on them because your surveillance skills are, are dirt poor. It makes people look at you like you're a piece of crap. Now, I know there's review boards, et cetera, et cetera, but at the same time, the review board should be, it should be open to the public. It should it's a, it should be a city job that people can apply for. You don't even need a college degree, but you should have, but one of the criteria is, is having an open mind. Don't come in there with this, I don't like the police crap, and I'm going after you, but you have to have an open mind. Because when, when you can see things differently, yep, you understand both sides of the story. But at the same time, as they tell people who have a profession, who have a license, you have to be the bigger person. You have to know when to step down and walk away. And because it, it applies to nursing, it applies to being a teacher. But why doesn't it apply to the police? And if you know how to deal with people. Instead of coming out the car ready to grab and snatch and doing all that rah rah. Because you come out the car aggressive. Now the person is aggressive. And aggressive nature met with aggressive nature leads to bad situations. Bad stuff does happen. And because it happens. Oh my back is her type. And because it happens. Mm -hmm. The view of the police, of the officer involved is always that of their bad. Um, you, You know, we had an incident here in Providence during the abortion protest where you had a police officer who's running for a, I think, a city council spot, whatever the case may be, assaults another person who's out protesting, who happens to be. And, you know, running for the same seat. And I'm like, damn, is this what it is? Is this what it means to be a police officer that you can act as a rogue combatant whenever you so choose to? And this is what leads to the people having that mentality of we're barbarians at the gate, but we're not punk barbarians. We're actually very wise and skillful individuals who we have a voice and it's going to be heard. So all I can ask of is whoever, you know, if, you know, if we get a new mayor and if we don't, I want to know what are you going to do to improve community relations amongst the police department and the community governor? Governor, Whoever, if it's a new governor, old governor, whoever, you know, the the current governor gets reelected, <laughs> or, or well, he has to actually be elected because he uh, he just took the job by uh, by default because the old governor is down down in D.C. But anyway, you how are we gonna how are we gonna how are we are we going to build community relations amongst the, amongst the police department within the city of Providence, and. The state police. That should be the, that should be the topic right there. That should be one of the main focal points when we start asking, or if we're able to ask, the mayoral candidates, what are you going to do to improve community relations, and what are you going to do to help ed- to make to the, make them better police officers, so that way they're better educated. And funding comes in. How are you going to allocate the funding? Is it going to go to more equipment or is it going to go to more training? Or are you going to put a little to the side to get people from the, like, who work in the mental health industry to help out and work alongside the police officers to deescalate situations? Now, the, the I, now the reason why people are angry is because we've seen it time and time again. Somebody, a young white kid can come in, shoot up a school, shoot up a, a, a supermarket, shoot up a church, kill nine, 10 people, 14, 20, 30 people Go into a Walmart, you know, and they walk out alive. And we know if it was one of us. As they say, dead men tell no tales, right? So why is it that when we voice our opinion about it, it's always looked upon as, oh my God, here we go with the black stuff again. But it's not here we go with the black stuff again. It's, you're, it's clear. It's obvious that you don't, you, you don't see the dichotomy in what you're doing. You can't, you can't sit there and turn a blind eye to the narrative. Here's something else that has run across my mind. Why is it that when a young black man or a woman commits a crime, they're never in the, in the media, they're never portrayed as just normal people who had a bad day or made a really bad decision. But if a police officer is being tried for a crime, the first thing they talk about is their sterling record. They're a husband or a wife and they have four children or five children and all five of their children are high school graduates, college graduates. We talk about the good stuff. We don't talk about how they're dirty, how they've treated people in the streets, which is why you see shows like We Own This City, which is on HBO. It was a uh, six part series. It was a show and they and it. It was about a true story of uh, I think it was eight, I believe, eight, eight police officers who were just dirt. They just were dirty guys, you know, and. I don't know all the details and I don't and I don't know how the media portrayed them, but, you know, they were showing in the beginning of the show, they were show actual clips from the press conference. When the uh, police chief or the district commander, whomever it may be, I think he was the chief, was really, uh, you know, talking about how bad these guys were. And the thing is. When the citizens are saying, hey, look, I got pulled over, I'm actually I'm sitting on the curb and getting getting ready to pull off him, you know, in the car with my child and I got this police officer harassing me going through my wallet, taking my money, throwing my credentials all on all in the street. It's never taken seriously. It's not until those citizens or that citizen decides to say, "Hey, I'm going to kill officers such and such." And when they succeed, oh man, it's it's open fire on every person within that neighborhood. But But you don't understand why we've gotten to that point. Or you do, but you just want to turn the blind eye. And by turning the blind eye to us, you're telling us everything we confirmed about you in the first place, which is you see us as guilty. We could be walking down the street to go to the store, we fit a description. How ironic we fit a description. Really? Really? We fit a description. All right. Well, I'll let you tell it. (laughs) For real, I'll let you tell it. Because I know from my own personal experience at the age of 17, walking home at night from a basketball game, I remember having on my leather, I had this leather jacket, a leather jacket, and, you know, my backpack, I had, it was winter wintertime, so I had a, you know, winter hat on, and I had my scarf, my scarf and all that, and, you know, I had gloves on, and I was I wasn't wearing black jeans, I had on a pair of blue jeans, and I remember having on, um, Damn, I can't remember. I know they were actually they were like this is when uh, Nike ACGs first like first came out. So I had on a pair of those. And I'm walking home. And if you know the east side. Um, I'm walking across Knowles. Knowles goes across Cyprus and Abbott. So I lived on Abbott. So I'm getting. I noticed that they were they were like behind me when I was walking past Bailey's funeral home. And you know, I'm walking like I'm not even nervous because like I, I ain't do I didn't do anything. So I don't have anything to worry about. But anyway, they decide that they want to they want to try to stop me. At this point, I had pre- basically I just kept walking because my house was I was within about 20 feet or 20, 23 feet from my home. And my father happened to be outside. So I'm walking up the stairs and he, they were like, Hey, we want to talk to you. And my father said, they ain't talking to shit. Pardon my French. He said, you ain't talking to nobody over here. And they're like, well, he fits the description. And my father said, what's the description? A uh, black male wearing a black jacket, black, you sh- no black, uh, black pants. Um, and, and my father said H- his shoes aren't black. They're weak. They're weak colored. With a red Nike, we said with the red swoosh. He said his, you know, his jacket is the same color as the shoes. So what part of that is black? And as my father put in part of my language, and I am going to get vulgar. He's, he said. You dirty motherfucking white boys, you got a badge and you think you can just sit there and pull anybody and pull anybody over or, or stop them. He said, one, my son doesn't have to give you any ID without probable cause. Just because you have probable cause doesn't mean that you can actually stop him. And he doesn't fit the description. So he said, i am gonna put it to you this way. He said, I know who to talk to. And at that moment, like, oh, you know, sir, we don't have a, like he's like now you got a problem now. That incident made me really say, damn, you know, it's like, is that what y'all do? Because at one point in time, I had faith in the police at that point. I can even go back as far as the same year. Now it's the summer of 1993. My cousin and I were out. We get stopped coming back from this all ages club. I remember the officers pulled us out. I had a gun in my back. And another one at my head, and I was told, "This is your future. Get used to having some cold steel in your back, nigga." And I'm saying to myself, "Wow, that's what you that's that's how it really goes, huh?" And when they checked our IDs, "Won't well, you take this shit back to Providence? Don't come back to Warwick." <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, and you you get a young seventeen year old kid who who's like already seen seen things and has been you know as as his home life is not what is you know it's not all all you know roses and lollipops you have this you really have no fear so you know my cousin and i we were more pissed off than scared we were angry because we were like yo these motherfuckers is really on some bullshit Felt some kind of way. Really did. Take you back to 1999. Dropping my cousin off in East Providence. Now, East Providence has been known to pull people over because they don't know you. Hmm. Profiling, you say? Very racist of you, East Providence Police Department. What? Anyway, allow me to digress. I had a brand new car. New to me. It was used, but Hey, I'm twenty three years old. I, I got a car that's that's is pristine, it's cherry, it's dope. You know, in my I'm like I'm right now at twenty three years old. I'm riding the I'm riding the wave, man. I'm riding that high tide. It was about two almost two thirty in the morning. My cousin and I had been out all, you know, all day living it up at the uh at at the Dominican parade. Yeah, you know, we're doing all that, you know, what whatever we get up to the light and I look up in the rear view and my cousin goes, ah, here we go. So you get through the light, get to the top of his street and then he puts the lights on. So he comes up to the window and he's all like, well, I, and I just asked him what's the nature of the stop? Cause already, the thing is I had the car shut off. We had the windows down already So I just put my hands out the window to show that I had no intentions on trying to start the car and run. I just had my hands out the window. He comes up, put your hands back in the window. I hate that shit. So I'm like, Okay, well I was like, Well, officer, what's the nature of the stop? Well, your template's in the window and it should be down in the plate. I'm like, But officer, I said if you saw it in the window, I mean you can read it and it's I said it's a the plate's valid. It's not expired. I don't give a fuck. That's exactly what he said. I want to see some IDs. And my cousin was like, he's already, I can see the look on his face. So we give up the IDs. He tells my cousin, get the fuck out the car. I'm like, oh shit. Now something had transpired between my cousin and his now ex-wife. And so they had him. So he calls for backup. Now they come. They get him out the car. Now I'm out the car. And so he didn't, he, he, <laughs> he didn't even run my license. He didn't even realize I didn't give him my license. I gave him my law school ID. And he, re- he, saw the, he saw the ID and he was like, oh, fuck. Everybody wants to be a lawyer now. And at that moment, their supervisor shows up. Now the supervisor was cool he was like I'm st- now I'm against the car I'm leaning against the car arms folded and I'm saying I said you oh, know you can let my cousin go you need to shut the hell up I'm like nah you need to let him go at this point I didn't give a fuck if they were going to arrest us or, or arrest me but right is right and wrong is wrong moral of the story is when the sergeant sh- when the supervisor showed up he was like all right well look you got to let him go he just said because he said what why did you stop him the template was in the window and he said He said, "Well, now, now you're now it's in trouble." He said, "Now we're in trouble, because he said if he wants to file a complaint against us, he can. He has every right to, because now he's you have harassed him." Now the the supervisor came up to me, said, "Sir," uh," he said, "What's your name?" I said, "Mr. Brown." He said, "Okay, Mr. Brown. Well, you have a first name?" He says, "Michael." I said, "But it's Mr. Brown." Okay, he was like, "I, "I get it. I I I get it." He said, I, I hope this doesn't change your view of policing. I was like, yep. I said, but I know you're going to follow me till I get over the bridge. So I said, I'm going to drop him, my cousin off. And he's like, yeah. He said, get him, get him out of the cuffs. And then he asked what, why? And the officers were telling him why. And he was like, so what? That has nothing to do with anything. He said, that has nothing to do with anything. He said, so take him out of the cuffs and let these guys go. And it made me think to myself, like, damn, you guys are like the worst of the worst. And this is exactly why we have the issues that we have with the police departments. It's because you racially profile us. You cuff us up. We're not getting hosed down like we were back in the 60s. But, you know, we're harassed. Sometimes we're beaten. We're tased. Whatever the case may be, shit. In fact, the the current trend, and it has been, is to shoot to kill. So as I leave on, I'm going to leave on this note. You can serve and uphold, but you have to go back to protecting and serving because politicians and police officers, you work for us. We don't work for you and we're not supposed to be in fear of you because those of us who don't fear you. You, you look at us as the enemy. You see us as your enemy. You see us as the opposition. But the most dangerous man to a police officer is an educated man who knows his rights or her rights. And, you know, if you ever say, I want to speak to eternal affairs or, you know, hey, I want your badge number. Once you start doing that, usually They end up on the radar and the fact that people have cameras and everything goes viral. It's putting the pressure on the police departments to actually have to discipline their officers. So as the saying goes, you're putting their feet to the fire. When you put the feet to the the fire. All of a sudden. Action takes place. And if you're going to fire a police officer, make sure when you fire them they can never ha- they they lose their rights to having a firearm ever again and that's only if they're fired because of excessive the use of excessive force they can never get another job in law enforcement again if that's the case and if they ever become a, a if they ever get a security job they should just become a regular old, a regular old guard not you can't even get a position as a supervisor. That's just my thoughts and feelings on it, because the same the same way you are operating with impunity would be the same way you will operate in another in another organization. Now, my older brother was a he was a police officer in Las Vegas. Right. And the sad part of that side part about it is that he had to leave here, Rhode Island. To go to another to go get on to a police department in another city. You want to know why? Because these police departments back then had this way of saying most of the black police officers, especially the candidates who were in their 20s, who wanted to get on and knew exactly how to be a police officer. They did not want to give them a chance because their attitude is if we give this nigger a uniform and a badge and a gun, they know who the players are and they know exactly how to give them a chance to get their shit correct. In other words, crime pays. Crime is what keeps us employed. So if you if you prevent the crime or you give someone a chance to go get their shit cleaned up, you're not a good officer. The fact of the matter is that my brother went to another city, did his thing, and the people within the communities that he was patrolling knew him as officer brown or cool breeze the fact that you call him cool breeze tells you everything you need to know meaning that that man who's my brother was like a a cool fair and just individual he didn't let the badge dictate who he was going to be he was a man that made a decision based off of a look bruh you got to get your stuff together Get your stuff together or, hey, man, look, go down to that car, got that courthouse, turn yourself in, whatever the case may be, but do the right thing. Uh-huh. Now, people say that's bad policing. No, that's good policing because now you have given that man or woman that chance and that opportunity to feel like, damn, maybe. All right, let me go down here because he's not getting he, he's not getting any extra money for for bringing me in. And he, it's just a simple fact that you have people who give a damn. And if they wear a badge and they're in the community, making sure, like you saw the, you see these stories of police officers, I don't know how true it is, but you know, the woman got busted for shoplifting because she, you know, that she was poor, didn't have enough money to feed her kids. These officers go out and spend their hard-earned money to make sure that 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 people that they can eat. Now I know it's far and few in between, and I know we say they're good police, but I understand why good police. Have to remain quiet because remember the police officer in Buffalo, the the, the, the the sister. She did the right thing by telling the fellow officer to back the hell up off a, off a suspect because he was getting he was getting a little too aggressive. She was ostracized, but later won her case. It took 10 years, but she got paid. And the fact of the matter is, it's not it's not about the money. It's the morals. It's the fact that they sat there and recognized we did this woman wrong. The story is going viral. Shit, we gotta correct it. But I'm up against the time guy, good people. Thank you for taking the time to uh, allow me to talk to you. And once again, this is analytical concepts. The um, mic is open to whomever wants to come on and have. If you have a topic to discuss, we will just dis- we will discuss it right here on this platform. The platform is not just for me and cousin Troy; it's for you all too. So come on in and I'll gladly host you. So thank you for your time and talk to you again pretty soon. Have a good one.